Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into another edition of the Green Street Podcast. My name is Patrick Gilroy. Tonight, as always, alongside Josue Pavone. Josue, we're back. It is good to see you, my tanned friend. (laughs) (laughs) The vacation was good to me, man. The All-Star break was great. So, you, you know... All-Star break is generally a time where the All-Stars, they go and they play. The other guys that are left behind, we had Gordon Hayward, Semi Ojale, stay behind here in Boston. But this was your time to go right. and take a deep breath from this exhausting Celtics team. I mean, watching the All-Star game on the beach doesn't get much better than that. And because of the five-hour difference, you really essentially have the entire night to go out and do whatever you want after all the festivities are done. So can't complain over here. So I got to ask you. Kyrie Irving, we'll get right into it. He didn't play the two games leading up to the All-Star break. The Celtics won those games, two fabulous games. There was a a narrative here on late night, at at least when I was hosting, uh, talking about Kyrie, and really the narrative was pretty simple. It was, okay, he's not healthy enough to play for the Boston Celtics. If he goes and he plays in the All-Star game, we're not going to be okay with that. That narrative changed as the week went on because I think Danny Ainge and and, and to a certain extent Brad Stevens, they came out and they Mm -hmm. said, look, if he's healthy – we're okay with it. He needs to sort of get some, get the rust off a little bit anyways. Kyrie goes out for Team LeBron. He plays, and he plays very well. Plays 25 minutes. Then the Celtics come out probably with their biggest game of the season uh, schedule-wise so far. Following the All-Star break, they find themselves in Milwaukee against a team that has been the best team in basketball, really wire-to-wire this season in both conferences. It doesn't make a difference. The Bucks have been that good all season long. And the Celtics put themselves in a position to win the game. Ultimately, they come up short. They lose by a point. Kyrie Irving was a non-factor, a no-show. As a matter of fact, he was a defensive liability for the first three quarters of the game. So, Josue Pavone, you tell me, how the hell do you justify a guy that doesn't play the two games leading up to the break, goes and he plays balls out in an all-star game, and then is a no-show in the biggest game of the year for the first three quarters of that game? Well, the Wednesday before the all-star weekend, Brad Stevens did come out and say, this is before the game, that, he, look, he would love to see him go out there just to get those reps in. He said that the, if the schedule was, was – was, if it, there, was, there was no all-star break and the Celtics essentially had a hypothetical game on a Friday night, that he would be in action. So I think when you look at it that way, they wanted him to get those reps in. They didn't want him just to sit around and, and, and kick it or, or whatever. And I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I do have a problem with him sort of checking out in the first half. I, I'm with you there, okay? I, I think he – we didn't see that uh, that tenacity. We didn't see that sense of urgency, which we often see from Kyrie when they're playing against big t- big uh, big teams like the Milwaukee Bucks. I didn't see that. But Patrick, I mean, in that fourth quarter, Kyrie Irving did hit that big three pointer. He, he was did. the reason that they put themselves back into that game. Uh, my only complaint down the stretch was um, I thought it was really interesting what he did in that huddle. You know, the, the very last play of the game, Brad Stevens, a, a coach who in the last two years has been revered as one of the best out-of-timeout playmakers or, or play callers. And you see Kyrie Irving sort of calling the shots here. I mean, at this point in the season, 
how many times are we going to see this? And we saw the same thing happen in Orlando. We saw how mad he was when he didn't get his way there. You sort of see, if you're, from, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks or if you're on a, watching the game from a national TV standpoint, you know the ball's going to Kyrie Irving. It doesn't matter how wide open Al Horford is in, in the, you know, behind the arc. He was going to take that shot, and I think the Celtics are fine with that. Are you fine with that? I'm fine with him taking the shot if Brad Stevens had, had drawn up the play. So here's the problem here. Kyrie, and we've talked about this before, Josue, Kyrie comes from the LeBron James school. And unfortunately, part of the LeBron James education for a guy like Kyrie Irving is that coaches are expendable, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they've accomplished. Look at what they went through in Cleveland. Look at how many coaches they went through in Cleveland. You look at that Cleveland situation, and whether it's LeBron's first go-around with the Cavs or his second go-around with the Cavs, you can make the argument that, yeah, he won one championship, but I believe it's a combined 13 years with that organization. That has got to go down in history as one of the most unsuccessful runs of a great player ever. And yet he is lauded and revered for winning that one championship in Cleveland. As a matter of fact, LeBron James went on TV on HBO on his show and he said, what, that 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 game, that winning that championship is what elevated him to a status higher than Michael Jordan, right? As the greatest player ever. And I just, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. And then I listen to Kyrie and I see what Kyrie's doing. And I think to myself, holy God, holy hell, you know, here we are in Boston and the guy that we have loathed here for years, the guy that Celtics fans love to hate, has always been LeBron James. I mean, how many, you know, LeBron James sucks shirts have been sold out in front of the garden from those T-shirt vendors yeah. over the years, okay? Right. And, and remember the picture that Rondo took with, uh, with that girl? Oh, I mean, that's right. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. LeBron's players, a bitch. LeBron's, LeBron's a bitch. bitch. Yeah, yeah. Like, the players have even embraced this culture. <laughs> and yet here we are. You know you got one of those shirts too, Patrick. I Come do. On. I absolutely do. <laughs> All right? I'll, I'll wear it for you next time. Um, but here we are. And now we're being asked as Celtics fans to embrace a guy that behaves exactly like the guy that, by the way, Kyrie couldn't wait to get away from yeah. LeBron. Now he's acting just like him. Well, it's because he has the organization by the nuts right now. <laughs> you know, everything he wants, he's getting because they are fixated on what's he going to do next year. That promise that happened before the season started, I mean, he's, he's saying these things for a reason. He wants this not only attention, in my opinion, but he also wants the power, and that's exactly what he has. And this is the one year that he can get away with this. Whether he leaves Boston or whether he sticks around, he's going to sign a long-term deal. He will, he's going to get cash in on his big payday. And that's when he can sort of go back to being, look, I'm going to do all my talking on the basketball court. I'm going to let my game speak for itself. But there's so many moving parts with that in, in the sense of him sticking around in Boston that we essentially don't know anymore. I'm not 100% sure anymore. And I think it's contingent on not only on, on, on how the Celtics perform throughout the postseason and how deep they go with Kyrie Irving leading them, but it's also contingent on what's going to happen with the Anthony Davis situation. I do believe that these two things, are they need to align. Otherwise, He's probably going to be out of here, Patrick. And here's the thing. Unless they win a championship, which I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not ready to say that yet. I'm nowhere close to ready to say that yet. Can they get out of the East? It depends what Toronto has to say about that. Can he beat the Warriors? Absolutely not. I don't think the Celtics are a championship team this year no. with Kyrie Irving. So here's the thing. I think the Celtics with Kyrie Irving this year are going to win somewhere between 52 and 55 games, and they're going to lose probably in the conference finals. And guess what? If Kyrie goes to New York and they don't replace him, I'll make the same prediction for next year. I don't think he's got that big of an impact on winning in the regular season and winning up to and through about the conference finals. Eventually, you need a guy like Kyrie to close out the conference finals. That's what you were missing last year. You need a guy like Kyrie, that individual superstar talent, to carry you in the NBA finals. But I don't know if Kyrie Irving really drastically changes 
the trajectory of this team at least for 82 games. Would it be the end of the world if he left? No. Right? I thought it would be to start the season. Two months ago we did, right? Yeah, I, mean, I thought it would that, be. That, that would be that and would I'm, be not suggesting, I'm not suggesting that, that Terry Rozier is a competent replacement. I'm not. But I don't know if Danny Ainge's best move, like you just said, he's going to cash in on a long-term deal. And remember, Kyrie said something interesting when you go back to that October night where he declared that he would stay with the Celtics. He said, if they'll have me. He knows he's dealing with Danny Ainge here, right? He knows that, you know, Danny Ainge might not just bend over and, and, you know, say, Kyrie, here's your five-year max. This year has got to give Danny at least a little bit of pause before he extends a five-year max contract to Kyrie Irving. Doesn't it? I mean, if you're Danny Ainge, do you just open that checkbook up and literally tie your success of your team because all your salary cap is tied up in Kyrie Irving at that point? Do you really attach your your wagon to this guy, this unstable sounding and looking guy, Kyrie Irving? If it means bringing in Anthony Davis and having Anthony Davis commit long term, absolutely. But you, I think you, Danny Ainge has been drooling over Anthony Davis for the past three years since he traded Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. I think he's been drooling over Anthony Davis. The Kyrie Irving thing that just sort of worked out for him. He didn't see that coming between him and the Cleveland organization. But I think that's his plan A. That's his number one plan is to get those two together and ride out the next three, four years. At the end, at the tail end of that of that contract, Kyrie Irving may not be who you want him to be, but you still have Anthony Davis. You still have whatever's left of between Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. If you're uh, Danny Ainge, you're going to try to figure out a way to get this deal off without putting Tatum in the mix. And but you are. I, I think that's what you're going to. That's what he, that's you what he wants. Tatum's Tatum's gone. I mean, here's the thing. You know, you Celtics fans on the show, they call in. They say, I'll give him anything but Tatum. The fact of the matter is this. The Pelicans opted not to make that, that hell of a deal they could have taken with the Lakers. And by the time the Lakers were done offering stuff up, I mean, they were literally offering <laughs> up roster. everything. Yeah. Okay, Everything not named LeBron was on the table. The fact is this. Danny Ainge's only trump card to that was Jason Tatum. Period. Yeah. So you mean to tell me that Danny got on the phone with the Pelicans and he said, I'll give you everything but Jason Tatum? No. He at least implied strongly that he could have, they could have Tatum in this deal. You just got to hold off. But I still don't think, even if they, they pull the trigger on a deal like this, let's say you bring in Anthony Davis. I don't think Anthony Davis is, is signing here long-term next year. I think you're still going to, we're going to be living with uncertainty again next year. Kyrie may have signed long-term at that point, but I don't see Anthony Davis doing if that. Kyrie sticks around, you don't see that happening? No, I see, I see AD doing the same thing that Kyrie's doing this year. I see AD taking his turn to bend the franchise over and to have things his way. No, see, I think the taste of the city and the, and, and the passion and, and winning, I, I really do. I mean, I don't know, call me crazy, but I just think that's going to win over someone like Anthony Davis. Yeah, but it, he, it, he's never been in the situation like It takes this. a year. It ta- when do you think he's going to sign this, this extension? You think he's going to sign it before the season starts? No, no, it'll be next summer. It has to be 2020. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. so they're going to play a year with him in the final year of his deal. And we're going to. That's all it takes, he, Patrick. He is going to bend this city over the same way Kyrie, Kyrie is right now. We're going to be living this hell through a different player next year. That's my problem here. And, and not for nothing, but when you look at this team, maybe the, maybe the solution is this. Maybe it's as simple as this. Maybe Kyrie Irving knows. Maybe Danny Ainge knows. Maybe Brad Stevens knows that Tatum. Rozier, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, they're all gone. They might all very well know that they're all gone. It's got to be very difficult to wake up every day and to rally the troops around a team that you know is short-lived to be together. And this is the worst-kept secret in the NBA. I mean, the rumored package that the Celtics are offering up, and we're talking about Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Al Horford. So essentially the heart and soul and core of your team 
Got now it. gone. Yeah. For the hope that Anthony Davis will stick around long term and stay healthy. He, that's the other part of this. Your your big two here, your duo. You're talking about actually your big three because Gordon Hayward's sticking around. So your big three right now. Now they may that's very well. Just for Hayward. They may very well be the most talented and well-balanced big three in basketball. You can make the argument, and I would be there to listen, that with Kyrie as your point guard, with a swing guy like Gordon Hayward who's been trending in the right direction, and with your big being Anthony Davis, you fill in the pieces around those guys. But not only do you have the best big three in basketball, they are the, their talent is spread out properly. Somebody is playing every critical position. You know what I mean? It's not like this team this year where you've got a bunch of guys 6'6 six, six to 6'8 six, all trying to, to make it work together. Now, now your talent is spread out correctly. But you can't convince me that the three of those guys can manage to stay healthy for an entire season. You are hitching your wagons to three of the most fragile players in the NBA. Oh, come on. Anthony Davis? Anthony, Anthony Davis misses time every year. I mean, this year it was different. He was fine up until he asked for a trade. And then that's when, you know, they had to sit him for a bit. And now he's back. But, I mean, okay, you can make a strong case for, for, for Kyrie. But, I mean, if you look at the, the talent on this roster – are you giving up? That's the thing. You don't know the package deal that you're giving up. You know the center would the centerpiece would be Jason Tatum. Yeah. Marcus Smart. Yes. And then what are the other pieces? Jalen Brown and Al Horford. It's got to go. The money's got to work. So in order to make the money work, it's got to be Al Horford or Gordon Hayward. And guess what? They're not taking Gordon Hayward. I mean, if they're taking Al Horford, you don't have to put Jalen Brown in the mix. That's that's a chunk right there. Look, uh, you you don't you don't trade away both of those guys. You need one of those guys around. But I I just still believe that these two can make it happen. Now, again, like I don't think it's the end of the world if it doesn't happen. I think there's alternatives. I think one option that a lot of people haven't really talked about, if Kyrie leaves, if Kyrie leaves, let's go back to what happened a few years ago. Was Kevin Durant really seriously considering Boston? If that's the case, then what would change if Kyrie Irving is not in the picture anymore? Can the Celtics bring in someone like Kevin Durant? No, they can't. Financially, they can't. For, for the if LeBron Ky- thing. If Kyrie Do the leaves. LeBron deal, one-on-one, and then you you, you bring him in. It, that $20 million that you have for Kyrie or that, no. that that contract that you had? No, they're still over the cap. Here's the thing. Kevin Durant? Yeah, they're over the cap. So even if Kyrie leaves, they're over the cap. Their only hope, and Danny knows this and, and Kyrie knows this, just because $20 million comes off doesn't, doesn't mean that that money is spendable. Right. Okay? Right. Their Celtics are still over the cap at that point. They, because they've still got Al Horford. They still have Gordon Hayward. They're still over the cap at that point. When you look at the other guaranteed contracts, they are over the cap. You can't sign them as a free agent. It's mathematically impossible. So the only way to get – and I'm with you because I think that this whole thing with AD might just be a big ruse anyways. Mm. And I said this about a month ago. I think Kevin Durant could still be Danny Ainge's number one option. And, and this whole thing with AD is just a, you, you look over here while I work over here situation. But the way to make that work – is actually not all that complicated because Chris Paul sort of set the template a few years ago on how to do this. He opts into the final year of his deal, and the Celtics at that point, they trade a Gordon Hayward and maybe a Jalen Brown or a Gordon Hayward and a couple of draft picks. Now you've got the Warriors, who at this point, the only way that it works is the Warriors at this point know that Kevin Durant is going to, his number one choice is the Celtics, right? So if Kevin Durant tells the Warriors, look, I want to go to Boston, that's my number one choice, work something out with them. The Warriors at that point are going to be happy to get something in return rather than lose the guy as a free agent. If they know he's walking, you know, and not for nothing, a guy like Gordon Hayward I think could thrive. When you look at potential replacements for a Kevin Durant with the, with the uh, Golden State Warriors, now you're asking Hayward to be a, a third option, a fourth option, a guy that's going to be wide open all for three all yeah. the time. Yeah. That's a way for him to resurrect his career, yeah. and, and it's 
a seamless transition for that Warriors team. You just mix and match. You know, Kevin Durant goes out. Gordon Hayward comes in. They won 73 games before Kevin Durant got there. You know what I mean? So I think a situation like that could absolutely work. Yeah, I don't think Anthony Davis is the end-all, be-all. I just do think that putting those two together, I mean, we're talking about one of the best two tandems in the entire NBA, this, but especially the, in the Easter Conference. What scares me is I don't think Danny Ainge has got the time. So so it's all going to happen the first couple of days of July, July 1st. Yeah, it all goes down. So you have to hope that Danny has got his plan A, his plan B, his plan C, and you have to hope that Kyrie is willing to – wait for the dominoes to fall a little bit, at least on day one, day two of free agency, before he says, screw this. Like, what if Anthony Davis falls apart? It doesn't come. Is that the signal for Kyrie to go sign the contract with the Knicks? Like, at what point does Kyrie say to hell with this and he's out of here and the Celtics risk losing him for nothing? That's the only sin in losing Kyrie Irving Josue is that you lose him for nothing, and that breaks a cardinal rule that Danny Ainge really has set forth for himself. He doesn't lose players for anything. I mean, he'll take a trade exception in return and turn that trade exception into Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. That's the brilliance of Danny Ainge. Marcus Thorne. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. always got – there's always an asset yeah. to be had. Yeah. And in this situation, Danny Ainge doesn't have the power. Kyrie's got the power. Yeah. And that's an uncomfortable situation, I think, for Celtics fans and for Danny and for Brad to all be in at the same time. All right, well, let's talk about the postseason then. Let's say I don't understand why people are forgetting the fact that, that Kyrie Irving, is he steps it up in the postseason. We haven't seen that in the Celtics uniform. Unfortunately, we didn't see that last year. We did. who's to say we're not going to see that this year? And who's to say that that's enough to get them through the Houston Conference and go to the NBA Finals? Again, the only team I think that's really standing in their way is the Toronto Raptors. And until the Celtics go back to revert back to the, the, the defensive specialist, the, the defensive team that they've been, the past couple of years, I don't see them passing Toronto, but they have to figure it out a way. I think it really comes down to Brad Stevens. If guys aren't committed completely on the defensive end, then you bench them and you put Shemi Ojale in. I've been talking about Shemi all season long. Shemi has been, when he gets his opportunities, he thrives not only defensively, but he also just changes the attitude of the team, of the floor. I'm not saying give the guy 20 minutes, but look, you have to start holding people accountable. There's no reason why you should be able to give up so many points night in and night out when you defensively you're just not the same team that we saw last year. So if you're asking for Brad Stevens to hold players accountable, are you talking players, everybody less Kyrie Irving? No, be- Kyrie included. Okay, so- comes, not only just on defense for Kyrie, though. Kyrie needs to be the a mix of the past first point guard that we used to see sometimes night in and night out. Early in the season, remember he used to like take his time in the first half. Sure. Third quarter comes around towards the tail end of the third quarter slash fourth quarter. Okay, now it's my turn to get my buckets. We haven't seen that lately. What makes you think that Brad Stevens has any voice left when it comes to his ability to influence Kyrie Irving? That's the thing, though. Like I said, he got the organization. He's got right, the wrath, wrath around his finger. But you just said it comes down to Brad Stevens. Yeah, but if Brad Stevens <laughs> wants to get the most from his guys. I mean, look, whether it's between him and Danny or a conversation that they need to have, this needs to be implemented before the postseason. Because in the postseason, Kyrie Irving, the Celtics are going to go as far as Kyrie Irving brings them. And until that happens, everyone else needs to be on board. It needs to be focused. I'm not seeing the same level of focus. You know, but I'm not seeing the same level of focus from Kyrie. So here's, I don't see Kyrie as completely committed to the Celtics. And, and I think that is a very frustrating thing for these other players to have to deal with. You know, they're, they're dealing with this guy that publicly is unwilling to say that he wants to be their teammate you know, for the long term. They're, we don't even know half the stuff that, that takes place at practice. I mean, you're there, but I see the videos of these guys having fun. Yeah. But clearly, there is a disconnect there between Kyrie and some of his teammates. Uh, and Kyrie, if he wants to be the veteran leader of this team, you would think that part of that role, part of his job, would be to 
I don't know, suck it up a little bit. So it falls on him. You know what I mean? Like, it, shouldn't he have to be be yeah. the more mature guy? Isn't his expectation of a guy like I don't know Jalen Brown to to rise up and be the mature one in the relationship? Isn't that a little bit hypocritical and a little bit unfair? When you know you want to talk about your championship experience, you want to talk about you know everything that makes you special, everything you learned from LeBron James. Well, the one thing that he learned from LeBron was that LeBron sort of put him down a little bit in LeBron's own way. Where, and that really bothered Kyrie Irving. He didn't want to be considered the little brother anymore. They don't want the taps on the back of the head. It, it's quietly sort of undermining the value of the other players, right? And that's what Kyrie felt. Yet Kyrie's undermining the value of each and every one of his teammates. Like he's committing the same sins that pushed himself out of Cleveland. He's pushing his teammates out of Boston. Because he doesn't see a Kyrie next to him. That's the thing. You know, in that situation, in the last, those those runs to the finals, Kyrie Irving had a lot more experience than, I don't know, guys like, and I get it. I know what happened last year. I get it. Playoffs, uh, home court advantage really helped this team out, which, of course, Kyrie Irving put that in place for them. However, they, they did perform. They almost got to the NBA finals. However, Kyrie Irving, in his mind, the course of an 82-game regular season, he thinks that these guys just don't get it. When it comes to, okay, it's not going to be as easy as it was last year, the way it was during the playoffs. And I think that he doesn't see, he sees himself as the LeBron, quote unquote, in this scenario, but he doesn't see a Kyrie Irving. He doesn't, he doesn't think that there's a Batman on this team, or at least that Batman, let's say, I don't know, it's Jason Tatum, for example, or Al Horford. He doesn't think that that guy is as talented as he was in comparison to what he did for LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers in those in those, what, four years that they were together. I'll tell you what, those guys that aren't Kyrie Irving got the Celtics to the conference finals last year, and, and Kyrie Irving without LeBron James couldn't get his team to the playoffs, couldn't get his team to 30 wins. So the fact is, Kyrie, we all know how special he is. He's a transformative talent. It's very hard to turn your back on a guy that talented. I get all of that stuff. But I feel like with 25 games left in the season, Josue, his act is exhausting. And if it's exhausting for media, exhausting for fans, it's got to be just wearing on his teammates. At some point here, doesn't Kyrie have to just shut his mouth and, and prove it on the court? And I think that's what's been most frustrating. We've been saying that for the last two, three months. So what's, what, then what is so damn special about him? Like, why, why are the Celtics as an organization, and quite frankly, why, why are you and other members of the media so quick to be a Kyrie apologist? If, if he's unwilling to shut up and do his job and, and actually prove it on the court once in a while, right? If he's not willing to be a good teammate, if he really does believe that he's up here and everybody else is beneath him, then why are we all hung up on whether Kyrie stays or not? Because he's who he is. He's one of the most talented players in the NBA. Still getting better. Easily the best closer in the NBA. I know we didn't see that against the Milwaukee Bucks, but because of that talent, I mean, he's sort of... I don't want to say he gets a pass for his behavior because we don't. We give him a hard time for speaking out and and not leading the way that we would like to see him or at least letting his his game do the talking. But at this point, this is it. This is the stretch where he needs to let his game do the talking. The playoff Kyrie Irving needs to emerge that we haven't seen the last yeah, two years. It looked like playoff Kyrie in the first half last night against the Bucs, let me tell you. I mean, they, playoff Kyrie the fourth vintage. quarter, if he can be that guy, then, then that's what's gonna that's what's gonna hear carry yourself. them to the NBA Finals. Do you hear yourself? That's going to carry them to the NBA Finals. You're giving them a pass for an 82 game season. You're giving them a pass for the first half last night. Hey, I'm, not, call, playoff I'm Kyrie. not calling him a great leader or anything. I'm just saying, look, he's a talented 
NBA player so let's who kiss his ass. has a huge ego. It's the same thing we saw with LeBron James. But, but okay, I okay, can't okay, stand LeBron not, James. He's not LeBron James. I oh, hate LeBron okay, James, yeah, but too. LeBron James I thought you were going to say he's not LeBron. No, but he's True. not. LeBron James, you could put him on a 25-win team tomorrow, and that team goes to the playoffs. Yeah. I'm not sure you can put Kyrie on a 25-win team. You put Kyrie on, I don't know, the Orlando Magic or the Phoenix Suns. I don't know if they're going to the playoffs next year. I don't know. But I do know this. You put LeBron on those teams, barring health, he's going to the playoffs. You're going to find a way. This year, the Lakers would be in the playoffs for sure if LeBron didn't get hurt. But you put him on this team, and this team goes to the NBA Finals. They were minutes away from going to the Finals without him. So you think putting him makes them worse? They are worse this year. Right now, they're a worse team than they were last year. Are they? They're 500 on the road. They're, they've got 22 losses right now at this stage in the season. What, they have 27 all year last yeah, year? last year. Okay, so numbers are in my favor right now. They are a worse product on the floor than they were last but year. it comes down to the playoffs, Patrick. And we've got I'm no evidence you. with him in a Celtics uniform to back this up. None. But we have one hell of a track record. With, with LeBron, LeBron James by his side. Okay, okay, all right, all right. Like, That's fair. We're but... all dismissing this. We're acting like he single-handedly carried the Cavaliers well, in the yeah, playoffs. Le- LeBron James he had a shot. A, LeBron James makes them a championship team. I'm not calling this a championship team whatsoever, but this team can get to the NBA Finals with Kyrie Irving. On his putting the team on his back in the playoffs, absolutely, and look for other guys who emerge too. Al Horford, playoff Al. <laughs> Whether we're talking Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they got this is a talented they squad. They're gonna emerge Patrick. when we're we've got twenty five <laughs> games left. Who the hell's emerging? I've been Kyrie. hearing you say emerge Kyrie. since October. Kyrie. He's Nobody's gonna, emerging. He's I'm emerging. losing my mind here. I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. I keep going back. <laughs> we can go back and replay the, the, the podcast from October, from November. It's all always been, when's Kyrie going to get his head screwed on straight? When's he going to be a better teammate? When's he going to learn how to lead? And when the, are the other guys going to emerge? Like, I'm not sure they're going to. And I feel like Kyrie, in a, in a weird way, is holding them back from emerging. I do. Because I know he doesn't. he's not a great leader, but I feel like... And I know that you – it's a good point when you talk about there's different rules for superstars and he's a superstar, so, you know, whatever. But I feel like it's negatively trickling down onto his teammates. So they're seeing the outright disrespect that Kyrie shows towards Brad Stevens. And in their own way, they've tuned out Brad as well because if Kyrie can do it, then Tatum can do it. If Tatum can do it, then Jalen Brown can do it. If Jalen can do it – then Terry Rozier can do it. Do you know what I mean? So I don't feel like Brad has got the same control, the same voice in that locker room. And up until Kyrie Irving got here, Brad Stevens has been the star of this team. He has been the draw. He has been the the genius. And now all that's minimized. So Brad Stevens' role and impact is minimized. The Celtics are a worse product on the court. Danny Ainge has got no control anymore. He's literally bent over a barrel by Kyrie's decision-making. So Danny Ainge, who masterfully put the Celtics in a position to be retooled and to rebuild on the fly and to collect assets and maintain being competitive during the collection of assets. I mean, you could not have asked for Danny to do a more brilliant job in this rebuild. Yet it all comes down to Kyrie's mood on July 1st. Like, really? That's what we're coming down to here. And the way they finished in the playoffs. I mean, if this team gets bounced out of the first round, see you later. Kyrie's not going to come it back. It certainly won't be his fault, <laughs> he right? Won't be, he won't put that on himself. That's no, true. he won't. That's and that's part of the problem. I, it really is. And maybe maybe I just need to find another sport because <laughs> I, I, I'm so used to Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and Isaiah oh, Thomas. Those guys are – those guys are. that's it, man. I'm telling you. Those, that, that, those type of players, those type of leaders, you don't see that in the NBA today. Name a guy who, who's who, uh, similar to a Kevin Garnett that, well, does, that doesn't it's make it about just, themselves. It's not just about leading. You know, he, it, okay, go back to Isaiah Thomas. 
Isaiah Thomas, when he was fifth in the MVP race, he made it about him when he was talking about backing up the Brinks truck. He did. But he was a much better leader for the players on that team than Kyrie is for the players on this team. Meaning, those players played harder for IT. He inspired them to play harder. He inspired them to be the best versions of themselves they could be, which is why and how that addition to the Celtics that had like Jarebko and Crowder on it really maximized who they could be by getting to the conference finals, right? Fair, yeah. Now, I think we'll all admit that Kyrie is a more talented player, much more talented player than IT. What Kyrie is missing is heart. He doesn't have heart. And maybe he has selective heart, and maybe we'll start to see some of it in the playoffs. But I'm a guy, I love watching basketball. I, I love watching the game of basketball. And I, I am having a harder time watching Kyrie Irving in a Celtics uniform, knowing the negative impact that he's having on the rest of the roster. Is one guy's impact worth the trickle-down effect from the general manager to the coach all the way down to the 15th man on the roster? That's the question that Danny Ainge has got to answer for himself. So what's the ideal future in your mind? Like if let, let's just let's just go let's go straight to July first. What what would you like to see happen? I mean, I look, there's only there's only one option. And that's unfortunately, as much as I wanted to see Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown flourish here in Boston, I, I'm not stupid. I know that championships need to be won here. I don't think that Anthony Davis is the right move. I don't, because I think that you've gotta give up way too much for him. I think that Kevin Durant is doable. I really do. And that's been a guy that the Celtics have been after since, what, 2007? Uh, I know that you get a, a much more compressed window to win a championship. You're essentially doing what you did when you brought in Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. You're kicking open maybe a three- or four-year window to win a championship. And they figure it out from there. But if you mean to tell yeah. me that you can have if you can have him for Jalen Brown and a couple of draft picks, you know what I mean, or Jalen Brown and, uh, and Gordon Hayward and a couple of draft picks to make the money work, so you give up one piece of young talent, you have a draft pick, and you got to give up the contract, then I'll do it all day long. I would give up a package like that and keep Kyrie here because I think at that point, Kevin Durant comes with championships, multiple championships. He comes with more cachet. And he's more of a proven winner. I think Anthony Davis, there's still a question surrounding Anthony Davis, and that's what kind of winner is this guy? For somebody so supremely talented, He's really struggled to get his team what he's been to the postseason twice, and he's only won one round of the playoffs. So he comes here, and yeah, he's a great player, but he's got to deal with the fact that he's never won. And I think Kevin Durant comes here as a finished product. And with Kyrie Irving being the leader of this team, I think he's more likely to respond to a guy that can flash multiple rings at him because maybe that's what Kyrie respects the most. Patrick, I think we just figured it out. That's what they were talking about in Charlotte. You think so, huh? Because the <laughs> no, lip readers tell me they were I talking don't. about the Knicks. Okay, two max no, contracts. No, okay, why, room for two. Why can't people say, "Oh, maybe Kyrie's out there recruiting"? No one's saying that. Who, because, who knows? Maybe that's what he was talking about. Maybe he was saying, "You know what, man? Screw the whole Golden State thing. Come to Boston. You know, you were thinking about it before. Let's do it." Can we be honest here for Let's a minute? Let's lead this team. How how high did you turn the volume up when you were watching that? Like, how badly were you trying to figure out what he said? I'm pretty good at reading lips. I yeah, I was I was trying pretty hard. I, I still and. So you mean to tell me that I couldn't make out shit, but you, no. really? Yeah. So so at one point it, it looks pretty clear like he's talking about New York. Maybe maybe that's just me. Maybe it's just me. Really? Yes. Uh, give me the give me the uh, no, verbatim. Just, just, after it, just, just give me the verbatim. He's saying two max spots. They have two max spots. 
All right, and and Kevin Durant wasn't hearing it. He didn't want. To, he doesn't want to go to New York. Kevin Durant was like, nah, and he kept walking away. And Kyrie was <laughs> like, like chill, reeling chill, him back chill. in. <laughs> All right, so that that does that does suck. It does worry me. And what sucks to me is that okay, Kyrie's not an idiot. He's not. He's he's an intelligent guy. He knows that the fans care about him. It is in reality. And he knows that the fans care about this. The fan. He's lucky. He he's lives and works in a city. Where the fans give a flying fuck. It's a podcast, and it's true, okay? The fans here give a flying fuck, yeah. which is more than you can say in at least half the media markets in this country, period. The fans here live and die with their teams. Kyrie doesn't seem to respect that. So when there's a rumor out there, and you continue to fuel that rumor, rather than just say, look, we weren't talking about the Knicks, okay? That's all he had to say. He didn't have to say I was recruiting him to the Celtics. But you know Kyrie's not going to do that. Man. Why not? Kyrie doesn't do what people want him to do. Then why did he tell people in October that he was going to stick around? <laughs> he really enjoyed that event. I don't know what it was. Was he high? Like, what <laughs> was his excuse? Was. Because I keep hearing this narrative from you and from other people that Kyrie never <laughs> does what, what fans want him to do, what people want him to do. Then why did he do that? Why did he? Because if he never came out in October and said that, then... 50% of this narrative wouldn't exist. Yeah, but no, but Patrick, we, he would be getting the free agency question every game. Of course other he would. Game. But that's, that'd be that's fine. why he did it. Let's but face that, it. He they, did that because he was going to lose his mind if he had to hear that question You're every making time. my point. But he told us that he did it because he didn't want that question to haunt his team all year long. Right. Because they were going to be focused on what? Trying to win a championship. The moment he felt like maybe this team couldn't win a championship, the moment he felt like maybe this team wasn't as good as he thought it was going to be, the moment he felt that, oh, crap, Gordon Hayward's not even close to what he – needs to be he seemed to start to skate away from that a little bit and at some point doesn't he have to be self-aware enough to understand that when he does these things when he holds court and he sort of speaks openly the way that he does what he's doing is he's he's being a detriment to his team because to his point he's got younger teammates that have never been through this before all they know is what they hear they're hearing their leader say you know maybe i won't be here i don't know you know, the Knicks are intriguing. That, to me, that's not leadership. You know, if he wants to go, fine, go. Nobody, you're a free agent in the NBA, you've earned it. I'm never going to be one of those guys that says that, that you need to be loyal to a franchise yeah. because franchise is not loyal to the players. Okay, I get that. Especially the Celtics. But, oh, please. All right, what are you, <laughs> AD's father? Please. Please. All right? Kyrie, you know, a few months ago was willing to shoot a commercial and tell all the fans that – Tell his father and all the fans that he wants his number in the rafters. You know, Kyrie's the one that went and told all the, the Celtics players and, and fans during the, uh, the media night back in October that, look, he wants to be here. So it's not like he was high that night and it was an emotional reaction to the situation. No, he went out a few weeks later and legit shot a commercial in the garden talking about hanging up his banner in the rafters, his jersey in the rafters. Okay. So that was well thought out. I'm sure there were multiple takes, and I'm sure there were opportunities for him to. By the way, that commercial has been on lately, so maybe Kyrie had it pulled. Like, really? When's the last that's, time you saw that commercial? Yeah, that's that. That could have happened. Like, <laughs> is somebody at Comcast? Let me know. Is that commercial been pulled? But for real, like Kyrie had multiple opportunities at the beginning of this thing to not publicly commit the way that he did, and I understand the motivation to publicly commit the way that he did, but he refuses to own that. Like, at some point, doesn't he have to own the fact that he caused this issue by committing to the Celtics long-term? Yeah. He is the one that's ultimately responsible for the reaction of the fans and the media right now. And the only person capable of quieting down the noise and maybe cultivating a culture where this is all hyper-focused in on the playoffs. 
is Kyrie Irving. If he refuses to put this narrative to bed, even lie to the fans, lie to the media, and just say, look, I'm focused in on the Celtics, that's it. I'm not thinking about the Knicks. Just quite frankly, he doesn't have to come right out and say, I want to be here long term. All he has to do is say, look, I, I love being a Celtic. I'm with the Celtics. I am here for the Celtics short-term and long-term success, whatever that may be. Instead of doing that, he continues to keep the, the window open, the door open, the innuendo open, and clearly that's not working for him or for the team, Josue. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, you look at the other players, I mean, they're sort of like, look, all the media, everyone's eyes is on Kyrie instead of what was the success of the Celtics. Now... Things aren't looking so great now, and you know it looks like the bar's murky heading into the towards the end of the regular season, and I mean, home court's out the out the window at this point, right? I mean, at, at best, the Celtics, what they can do now is shoot for the third seed, which is which is good in the sense that you can see a team like the Nets in the first round instead of seeing like a team like the the, the 76ers that they stay where they are. Yeah, you got two meetings against the Pacers. You you, you able to top those guys in, in those two meetings, you should be able to grab the third seed. But I mean, home court is out of the picture, and this is going to be. This is how the Celtics are going to go into the playoffs, you know? And, and that's unfortunate. You go all the way back to the 08 Celtics. They needed home court. Go back to last year's team. They needed Big home time. court. Yeah. You know, that home court plays a – that game seven at the Garden, this is probably nothing better. Yeah. It, it's yeah, – the goosebumps just t- saying game seven at the Garden. Just, just, you know what just, I mean? You just got it right now, huh? And, yeah, I got it right now. And it's unfortunate that the Celtics haven't earned that right this year. And they're not going to have an opportunity to. That opportunity – to catch the Bucks really went away when the Celtics lost that game. That was their last best hope to maybe put themselves in a position to at least have a shot. And now they're, what, seven and a half games back. They're not catching the Bucks. No, they're not catching the Bucks. The best that they can shoot for, I think, is maintaining, is getting back up to that three seed and maintaining the three spot. Yeah. Now, right now, they sit, they sit in fifth. I don't think they're going to wind up in fifth. Ultimately, I know the Pacers have done really well considering Victor Oladipo went down. But... A lot of times that happens. You know, teams rally short term. Yeah, uh, just for a little bit. They don't have enough talent on that roster to maintain the, the level of play. I just don't see it. But I'm not scared of Philly, to your point. I'm not all that scared of Milwaukee, with the exception that Milwaukee's been a dominant team at home. And Game 7 is going to, going to be at home. You know, the one thing you go back on is, well, they're the Bucks. I don't care how good they're in the regular season. There was a certain sort of narrative about that. Well, four or five years ago, when it was Bootenholzer and the and the Hawks, when they won sixty games and the best record in the East, you four know, all stars that year. It was four all stars, including Kyle Korver, right? So, but it was always like, yeah, but they're the Hawks. Eventually, you expected them to be the Hawks, and the Hawks hawked. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, they got swept. Yeah. So I keep thinking to myself, but they're the Bucks, and eventually the Bucks will buck. Yeah. That's just what they do. But the Celtics this year have given me zero indication that they've got what it takes internally to take it up to a different level, at least consistently. Were you thinking about Durant before this podcast? That put that plant a seed or no? Uh, I've been talking about Durant for about a month. Durant coming to Boston? Yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, matter of fact... It was probably th- right after the last episode we did. We did. Matter of fact, uh, I talked about it last week, and when I was in Vegas, I guess the guys from OMF talked about my take that Durant could be option A. And then Lou gave me credit. And then he shit, and here. then he shit all over me in the next segment because I suggested that the Celtics should sign Ray Allen. Yeah, the very next segment. So they gave me credit, and Glenn said, "Well, he's a basketball guy. You know, it was great. They they went on for like five six minutes talking about me. It was awesome. Then they go to commercial. They come back, and then they wait, wait played. A minute. Did you hear this? Did you hear what he said about this? Then they came back and they played a cut of me coming back from break, saying 
Ray Allen was dominant in the celebrity game. The Celtics should give him the 15th <laughs> roster spot. <laughs> and they just, they had a fucking field day. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. It was fun. And, and, you know, they reminded me that the guy that was defending him was like four foot 11 or four foot seven or whatever. And uh, then Glenn stopped it and he said, no, Gilroy's a basketball guy. He had to be kidding. They played the cut again. I was completely serious. <laughs> Of course you were. You know? With your Ray Allen Celtics jersey on. That's under, it, man. That's it. You know, I, I said to myself, <laughs> he's 43 years old. Kyrie was looking for a 15-year vet. Well, you know, we get a, an 18-year vet here. A guy that tried to, we wanted to come back as recently as two years ago. So I'll give you my pitch. He wanted to come back as recently as two years ago. It didn't work out. But people that saw him play thought that he could still he play. He could do it, yeah. Okay? Uh, there was a variety of reasons why he didn't come back. He, to me, is still the most talented player and the most successful player to ever play the game. He's a Hall of Famer that will never have a permanent home as a retired player. He's not going to have his number retired anywhere. His best opportunity was here. It's not happening here. Not going to happen in Miami. Unfortunately, Seattle doesn't have a team, and Milwaukee's not going to do it. He didn't spend enough time there at the beginning. They didn't have any real success. If they, he brought them to the finals, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, but they fell short against Philly. They're much more likely to retire yeah. Big Dog's number than, than uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know true. what I mean? Glenn Robinson. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so, so unfortunately, he's the first ballot Hall of Famer who doesn't have a forever home with the team. So I thought to myself, Look at Vince Carter. He's 42. Ray's 43. Vince Carter's playing 15 minutes a night this and you, year. And you know Ray's in game shape, too. Ray's in game shape. Yeah, he works And if out. Vince can play 15 minutes a night in the NBA at 42, he's probably going to play again next year, by the way. Vince yeah. Carter's never retiring. As long as somebody will give him a contract, he's sticking around. Maybe he so, could talk some sense to Kyrie, too. So, so if Vince Carter— <laughs> Maybe he could help him out. No, but if Vince Carter can play at 42, you mean to tell me that, that Ray— can't find a home on a team like this at 43 years old. I'm talking about not playing or playing four or five minutes a night, but being a veteran presence in the locker room. And by the way, if he did come back, the Celtics signed him, and he barely played, even if he was like Perk with the Cavs last year, and the Celtics found success, guess what? That number might go up. He might because he'll have the ability to fix and repair, unfortunately, what broke when he left here. So I thought for a lot of reasons, the Celtics have an open roster spot, it cannot hurt. Yeah. So why not? You know what hurt, though? Hayward, when he got that number. Do you remember that? It was shortly after that. That's when all these all these uh, unhealed wounds opened back up again. Yep. He was talking about his book, and he was promoting it and talking about bringing all the drama back. And I feel like he really got his feelings hurt when the Celtics gave him that number. Yeah, because at that point, it was final. Yeah, it's you final, know, exactly. You know, it's, it, it's set in stone. You're not getting your number retired. I think at some point, it, he believed that, you know what, every, the dust would settle. And eventually he, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett would all, you know, be up there forever together. But he screwed up. He, not only did he go to the enemy. Think about the enemy that he went to. If you're Danny Ainge, there's personal relationships and hatred there and vitriol, not only because of LeBron James, but he, that, that picture of him at dinner with Pat Riley, that has to sting too. I mean, we're talking about the eternal enemy of the Celtics, Pat Celtics, Riley. Celtics, Lakers, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So it was just a bad look all around. But I did think that there was an opportunity there for if he desired to play. There's a reason why he's kept himself in that kind of shape. Could he still play at the NBA level right now? I have no idea. But if you're going to take a chance on anybody, don't tell me that there's no shot that he could, couldn't still carve out a small role in the NBA when Vince Carter's 42, playing 15 minutes a night, you know, and Ray Allen's in much better shape than Vince Carter's in right now. I just don't see it happen. Neither do I. <laughs> but, Neither do I. But you know what? I, I host a late night talk show. This conversation happened after kind of midnight. Talk about That's it. what we talk about. Okay? It's 
fucking WEI late night. We talk about the fantasy of Ray Allen coming back at 43 years old and hitting a game winner. Why not? That's after, late. After a celebrity game. After <laughs> a celebrity game. A celebrity game. He tore it up. Did he not watch it? He tore it so up in a celebrity random, game. Though. So random. You know? I'm surprised that he did that. I feel, it, like he, I feel like he would think that he was, he was uh, above that. You know what? I think that he, he embraced the opportunity to be seen on a national stage again. I really do. He loved it. He, he was it's not a, shy. From weird, moment one in that game, he's a weird dude. he wanted to be the best player on that court. No question about it. All right, so you got anything good coming up on the dot-com or what? Um, to be honest with you, I do. but um, It's a secret? Yeah, it's a little bit of a secret. Come on. Yeah, I, got, I got a little feature coming together. Really? Yeah. So how quickly will your secret be revealed here? Somewhere between seven to ten days. Oh, it depends what time this, well, when this, when this episode drops. But soon, really soon, really though. soon. Yeah, is it Ray Allen signing a ten-day contract? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it is focused on the current Celtics player. No, that Celtics player is not Kyrie Irving. But okay, it's good. Trust me, you'll like it. Well, maybe we'll hurt uh, Kyrie's feelings that he's not the one being featured. Ooh, or maybe there's some something juicy in there. Maybe about Kyrie. Oh, I'm there looking forward go. to it. Looking forward to it. It's gonna be good. All right, for uh, for Joe Sway Pavone, my name is Patrick Gilroy. It's good to be back here. Doing the Banner 18 podcast, I promise you that both of our lives have somewhat calmed down a little bit. We'll do this more often as the Celtics start. Every St. Patrick's so fired up, at least in person. Start to embark on, uh, on what we hope is a long playoff run here. they got to get their stuff together quickly with uh, what, 25 games remaining in the regular season. We'll see where the Celtics are at next time. Joe Sway and I get our asses in here to do another edition of the uh, Banner 18 podcast. My name is Patrick Gilroy. His name is Joe Sway Pavone. We'll talk to you again real soon. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.